This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. All right. So tonight, um, we're going to finish up on uh, understanding spiritual warfare, the importance of prayer. So, um, for weeks we've been talking about understanding spiritual warfare, and this is our third week on prayer. So if you will, let's go ahead and open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to just read, tonight we're just going to read um, uh, verse 18. So uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says, well now let's start at 10 because that's just weird to start there. We'll start at uh, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness in this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So, in my portion here, I'm focusing on that last verse I read there, uh, verse 18, which is praying always with all prayer and all supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and all supplication for all saints. So the goal of my portion of this teaching is to explain the importance of prayer in the spiritual life, in our spiritual lives, and learn, excuse me, in spiritual warfare, and learn how to pray effectively. So in this scripture it says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness, against spiritual wickedness. So what we're wrestling against this warfare is spiritual. So we can't come at this warfare with our natural, with our carnal ways and think that we're going to be successful. So we need to have spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear. Now when I say that, you know, you think of your eyes and you think of your ears, but you think of what they do. You know, you see things so that you can be aware of them. You hear things so you can be aware of them and you can know how to respond. That's what we need. We need to have that spiritually. We need to be able to see things in the spirit and be able to respond to it and hear things in the spirit. So even though I'm using like a, these natural words, kind of take it over to what it, what it actually means. What does it mean to see something? You you look upon it you take your eyes and you gaze upon it and there's um you see it you know there i guess there's like uh, i don't know exactly how to explain it just went to the doctor i doctor i should know but it makes an image on your eye and then it sends that image to your brain and then your brain tells you how to respond that's what we need to do spiritually we need to have that spiritually remember it's not natural so all that has to do with our spirit and with god that's how we need to hear and we need to see we need that spiritually so, we have to understand the power that we have in prayer. Prayer releases the power of God in our situations and our cares. 
Prayer is a work. It's a labor because it brings to pass the desire of God in the earth for you and others. It brings, a God, it brings to pass God's will. Prayer is preparations for God's work. So, earlier, uh, the first, in the first teaching we talked about praying always. So basically in this teaching I'm just breaking down this verse. We're just breaking down pieces of this verse and just explaining it and looking at what it says. So first of all, we looked at praying always. And we said, how can we pray always? There are other things that we do. Like right now, you're not praying. But how do we pray always? So that word always means perpetually, in a way that never ends or changes. means continually, consistently, habitually. And my kind of definition was never without constant open contact. We should never never be without constant open contact with God. And we went over to um, John chapter 15. Let's go there. Even though this is a review, this is, scripture is pretty key. So John chapter 15, what we have to realize is prayer should have a fixed position in our lives. Prayer, the position of prayer in our lives should never change. What that means is no circumstance, no situation, no dispensation. However your life changes, prayer is always there. Prayer should have that fixed position. It should be at the heart, at the center of everything that we do. It should always be in our lives. That should be our legacy. We should have a legacy of prayer. Um, Go to John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. Verse 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And that's the thing I was going to bring out there. That's what we were talking about. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And so this is Jesus speaking. So if we abide in him and his words abide in us, we will ask what we will and it will be done. So we have to remember that that that's what it is with prayer. Prayer releases the power of God. Prayer is not a light thing. It's not a thing to be taken lightly. It's... um. It's benef- our prayers should be beneficial, they should be purposeful, and they should be useful. So we can't just sit around, and I think I was talking about it last week, you know, just kind of using prayer, just kind of flippant. That's a good way. Just being real flippant. Oh, you know, I just, you know, I just prayed, God, da, da, you know, yeah, God. No, we can't have that attitude about prayer. We have to remember that our prayers, they release the power of God. One critical component in our prayer is trust or faith in God. And last, uh, I think it was the first, first week I taught, we went to Second Kings and we talked about Joash. We're not going to go back here to, uh, go back there tonight because this is just a review. But what the thing is, is when you trust God, when you have faith in Him, you believe He's going to do what He said He's, he's going to do. So you're not going to limit Him. Remember Joash just took those three arrows and Elisha was like, man, you could have done so much more. We can't limit God. God is limitless. So we have to trust him that he is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And then when we go to him in prayer, we have to have that attitude. We shouldn't have the attitude of putting God in a box. You know that, that statement that say, don't, put, don't box me in. Don't box God in. The other thing we looked at is we said that 
we all must we must always be mindful of our relationship to God and our relationship with God. Our relationship to God is who we are in comparison to God, right? God is God, we are not. He is all powerful, he is all knowing. We are none of those things. So when we go to God, we don't go to God as an equal. We go to God in humility. We go to him as the lesser, he is the greater. We go to him because he's sufficient and we're insufficient. One of the things that I said is we don't go to God and pray and vent and say, oh, God, do this, do this, this. oh, I need help with this, and then go off and do our own thing. That's, that's saying that you're equal to God because you're just talking to God like I'm talking to you. Like if I start telling you about, oh, you know, I just don't like this thing and don't like that thing, and I'm just telling you about my issue. You know, I'm just venting to you. But then I go off and you give me some advice and then I just go off and do what I want to do. That's what we do a lot with God. We just go and do what we want to do. But we say we pray because we've had this conversation, this religious conversation. But that is not humility. What that is is that's arrogance thinking that you can do what you want to do and, and guise it under prayer. We always have to remember that prayer always springs out of a sense of need and a belief that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And we went to Hebrews 11 and 6 and we looked at that. Tonight we're going to get into that diligent thinking. So we're going to continue to review and then we're going to get into the new information here. So prayer shows that I have a reliance and a dependence on God. So when I pray, it shows that I'm insufficient and God is sufficient. It's a display of humility. The thing about it is, you know, if you think that some, someone is beneath you, you know, think about it. Don't act like y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I mean to think somebody's beneath you. You won't go ask them for something. Like if you think that that person cannot do what you want them to do or does not have the resources, you won't ask them. Right? Because you already have an attitude. You have an attitude in your mind that they don't have what you need. Kind of puffed up. So when we go to God, we can't go like that. We can't go thinking that he doesn't have what we need. And, and what I mean by that, think about the example that I gave. You go to God and you tell him, you say these things are happening, these things are happening, these things are happening, and then you go do it your own way. You don't think that God had an answer for you. So you did it in your own way. So once again, you're thinking that God, you just brought him down to you. Actually, you brought him lower than you because you had the answer. He didn't. So remember that when we go to God, we go in humility. It acknowledges that we have a lack, that we're insufficient, and we're going to him who is all-sufficient, lacking nothing, having everything. So he's limitless in his ability and his power, and that's how we go to him. And you think about it, if you think about it when you pray, if you think about these things, your prayer life's going to be different. Because when you go to God, it won't be, you won't have that flippant attitude. Because if you think, now think about it, if you ask somebody who has a lot and you know you, they have a lot, when you go to ask them, you may be confident that they can give it to you, but you're going to go with some respect. You're going to go in there like, oh, you know, you're going to be like, uh, can you just give me some, you're going to be like, oh, excuse me, thank you for letting me come talk to you, blah, blah, blah. You're going to come in with the niceties, like we need to come in with God, blessing his holy name and all those things that we should be doing. We just think, well, God, you know, uh, no. When you think about it like that, when you realize he's all sufficient and he lacks nothing, he's limitless, your attitude when you pray is going to change. So that's our relationship to God. God is God, we are not. 
Then we have our relationship with God. That's our position, our alignment. And we went over to Romans chapter 8 and Ephesians chapter 2, and we're not going to do that tonight. And we looked at where we were, that we were outsiders and foreigners, and we had been brought in. We had been adopted. We had been placed into the family. We are children of God. And we saw that in that position, God doesn't change. God doesn't change, but our position is there, but we can change. We have the capability to always stay in right alignment with God, but we don't always do that. So we have to make sure that we keep that alignment. And we saw, we went to Psalms chapter uh, 66, and we saw that if there was iniquity in our heart, that God won't answer our prayers. And then we went over to Isaiah chapter 59 and we saw that God is still God. His strength is still His strength. His power is still His power. But guess what? You're praying and you're wondering where that strength and that power is. He still hears. He still, um, he still answers. But guess what? Your heart and your attitude may be out of position. So therefore, you're not getting the answer. There's iniquity in your heart. And we, talk, we talked about how we must always check our motives in our prayers. And we went over to Psalms chapter 51 and we looked at how we have to ask God to create in us a clean heart, renewing us a right spirit, that we can go to him. When we go to him, that there's nothing out of place in our lives, that everything's correct and our heart is right and we're in proper alignment with God. And then God will hear our prayers. And we went on and we talked about the next part of that verse with all prayer and all supplication. We talked about how our prayer should be exhaustive. We shouldn't leave anything out, no stone unturned in our prayers. We talked about all the different types of prayers. Remember a few months ago we went over all the different types of prayers and how we should pray all those prayers. We shouldn't leave any of those things out. We should pray in the Spirit. We should praise and we should worship. We should dedicate ourselves and consecrate ourselves. And then we talked about praying in the Spirit. All those things, we should use all of those tools that we have as, as prayer. And we talked about having a thoroughness and an intensity in our prayers. That we shouldn't just go to God with limiting. Remember we talked about we don't want to be like Joash when we could have done five or six and we only do three. We need to have that thoroughness and our intensity in our prayers. And then last week we talked about praying in the Spirit. So we got to that part of this verse. I'm just going to read the verse again. It will be a little easier to keep up with. So, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So, there we go. In the Spirit. We said, because this is spiritual warfare, our efforts must be spiritual. So, when we pray, we pray in the Spirit. And that's in line with the Holy Spirit. So, of course, we're going to pray in our, in our unknown tongue that we have. That's praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. But when we pray, we pray being led by the Spirit. So, even when we pray in our known tongue that we can understand, it's always in line with the Spirit. We went over to James chapter 4 and we looked at verses 1 through 10. We won't read them tonight. But the thing that I was t- we were talking about there is we have to let go of our carnal and our selfish desires and align ourselves and our requests with God's will. We have to get rid of selfish desires and stop the quarreling and fighting. Actually, let's, let's look at this one thing I want to read in James. Because the thing I told you guys last week, remember I said if you don't remember one thing to remember? Y'all didn't remember. But that's okay. I'm going to remind you. It's okay. It's all right. So, James chapter 4, verse 1. Verse 1 says, 
From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and ye receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your, upon your lust. So the thing that I was saying in that is, that we have to get rid of our selfish desires, those lusts that they're talking about, and stop the quarreling and the fighting within. So as believers, we need to be able to get along with each other. We need to stop all of that stuff because it hinders our prayers. And one thing I was saying is, you know, just let it go. Whatever it is, just let it go. The real reason that the quarrel is happening is because you want it your way. And you may say, Sister Castile, no, the other person wants it their way. But you can't control the other person. But you can control you. You can control your response. So you don't worry about the other person. You just give, you just get rid of your, your, submit to God. Get rid of your pride. Humble yourselves. And then you don't worry about the other person. And then you know what? You won't have the war and the quarreling. The other person may have the fighting and the quarreling. But you're like, hey, I'm, I'm fine. It's not my way. It's God's way. So that's one thing that we have to remember. And it's so, so, so important. Because let me tell you, the enemy is looking for little chinks in the armor. Looking for little places to get in. And that's a little place that can get in. Because you know what? We're going to talk about this tonight. But people can get on your nerves. We know that, right? Y'all know that. They get on my nerves. People get on my nerves. It, 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 can I just say that for me? And the enemy will say, that's what gets on her nerves, so I'm going to make sure to put it in, in her right there in her eyes. I'm going to make sure that it's there right at the moment where I think I can bring her down, where I can start some mess. And then, you know, especially now during prayer and fasting, let me tell you, let me tell you, he's looking for it because he does not want those prayers to be effective. So if he can start some mess, even if it's just a little bit of mess, just 30 seconds of mess and get you distracted for those 30 seconds, he's like, good, got them distracted for 30 seconds. They missed at least 30 seconds of it. And we don't want any of that. We don't want any of that. So we have to submit to God, resist the devil, take a stand. That means take a stand against the devil. We're talking about standing. That means take a stand and draw close to God with clean hands and a pure heart and then our motives will be proper. So that's what we need to do. That's how we can stop all the quarreling and all the fighting, all the little bickering back and forth. And you know, it's, it's within the, in our ministry, but it's just within your own personal lives. Just, just let it go. You know, I had a situation at work. I'll just be honest with you. One of the things that God's been dealing with me, my attitude with people at work during this fast. And I had to go and apologize to this guy. I had to apologize. I said, you know, last time you came to talk to me, I was rude to you. And he said, I, 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 I didn't take anything by it. I said, yeah, maybe you didn't take anything by it, but I was still rude. I didn't have to act that way, and I apologize to you. So those little things, you know, we, I know for me, and that's what God told me, he said, with the people at the church, you're sweet as pie, but you go to work, and, you know, you're like, what do you want? You know, that's really what I said. He came to my desk, and I was like, what? What? <laughs> but, you know, we have to remember, God, all saints. We have prayer, and we have love for all saints. And all people because they are potential saints. So we have to have effectual fervent prayers leading into that. Like I said, we don't want anything undone. The enemy is fine with you knowing the proper mechanics of prayer. Like I said, he, he's fine with you understanding the different types of prayer and understanding all these different things. But he's not fine with you consistently applying what you know and having an effective prayer life. 
Now that's different. Like I said, I think it was last week or week before last I said, you can go in and you can say all the right words. You can have all the right posture and all these different things, but that doesn't mean it is prayer. It doesn't mean it's powerful. It doesn't mean it's effective. There has to be some things that have to be in line with God's will. Your heart has to be right. Your motive has to be pure. And then that's when you're having an effective prayer life. So then we went over to Isaiah chapter 1 and we looked at verses 10 through 20. And we saw there where all the, the people were doing all these different things, but God wasn't hearing their prayer. And we saw that it's possible to be religious and rebellious at the same time. It's possible to have the posture. It's possible to have what looks right on the outside, but on the inside have a rebellious heart. And God's saying, I'm not even having that. So although we may go through the motions of prayer, if our hearts and our motives aren't pure, then our efforts are futile. You you may as well not even do it. You're wasting your time. Really, you could do something else. You could be doing something totally different with your time if you're not going to have your heart and your motives pure. God is only going to accept what he, he commands. So let's go over to ex, uh, Exodus chapter 30. We, did the, we looked at this last week, but it's worth looking at again. So Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, we're going to read verses 7 through 9. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning... When he dresseth the lamp, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps, at even he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense for, before the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour, ye pour drink offering upon there, thereon. So here it is. Aaron is going in as the high priest and he is putting the incense on the altar and that's going up and that incense I told you represents our prayers and we looked over I believe we we did go to Psalms last week and we looked at how David was talking about his prayers go up as incense the incense if you go on and read over in that later in that chapter they were to be mixed a specific way there was a certain amount of this a certain amount of that and it all had to be mixed a certain way and it couldn't be any other way or it wouldn't be acceptable. It's the same thing here is telling you it, that's not how it's going to be accepted. And it says there, uh, what is it? You shall offer no strange incense on, in verse 9 thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall you pour drink offering thereon. Our prayers have to be what God says they have to be. They have to be in the Spirit. He's not accepting anything else. It's possible to pray fervently in the flesh and never get through to God. Remember we talked about our motives last week. We talked about you're praying for people, but you're really praying for people because it's going to help you. You don't have the pure heart. You don't have the pure motivation. So when our prayers are selfish and they come from a rebellious heart, we're offering strange incense. That's not God's not going to accept that. He said, don't bring that in here. Bring what I told you to bring. And the thing about it is God is very precise. 
He didn't say, you know, sometimes people will give you, like you say, oh, you know, they give you something to eat and you say, oh, that's so good. Tell me the recipe. And they say, I just put some potatoes, some onions, oh, a little salt and pepper. And they never tell you the precision. So when you go to make it, you're like, oh, well, it didn't turn out the same way. But God is precise. He tells us exactly what we're supposed to do. We don't have to go guessing. You know, I always think about it. Like I always say to y'all, you don't have to try to be smart. God just gives it all here to you. You don't have to even really think about it. God just gives it all to you. So when we offer what God says we're to offer, he will accept it. But God's not accepting anything that doesn't line up with what he asked for. So we just can't come in here any kind of way and do what we want to do. We looked over in Luke chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. We won't go there tonight. But we saw how um, John the Baptist's dad was going in, and he was going in and offering those incense. And while he, he, was, he was a priest, he was a Levite, so he was going in and he was offering those incense at the time of prayer. He was inside, but everyone else, all the people came, and they stood and they prayed while he was offering those incense. And we talked about not only is it important for us to have our individual prayer life and it must line up with what God says it must be in the Spirit, but collectively we must come together. And we talked about how important that is for God, He tells us to, to come and collect and bring those prayers to Him. So it should be our habit to pray in the Spirit individually and collectively. So that's our review. So now we're going to get into the new information. So I will, I'm going to read the scripture so we can figure out where we are here. So Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and all supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and all supplication for all saints. So the review we just covered the first part, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And now we're going to get to the second part, which is watch, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So, um, it's all going to kind of flow together. I did kind of break it out into pieces, but as I was looking at my notes, I said, it all just kind of flows together. But you, you'll be able to keep up. So, watching. So, now we're going to talk about watching. What does it mean to watch or watching? It means to keep awake, to be on guard, attentive, ready, implying continuous, wakeful concern. So, once again, watching. To keep awake, to be on guard, attentive, ready, implying continuous, wakeful concern. So when I look at that word watching, in this tent, and what we're talking about now here, there's a natural piece of it and there's a spiritual piece of it. Because, of course, to be awake, you've got to be awake naturally. Your eyes have to be open. You have to be engaged. And then, but there's spiritual being awake spiritually or watching spiritually. That means there has to be some sensitivity. There has to be some attentiveness, some ready, applying continuous wakeful concern. So not only should we, we should be watching and hearing with our eyes and our ears, but our spirit should be attentive. Our spirit should be on guard. So we have to be alert. We have to stay sober and we have to stay in the proper position. You know... If you are watching, um, here's a good example. So over in the sound booth, we have to watch what's going on on stage. If we're not in the proper position, we won't see because that window is what we see out of. But if I'm on in the corner over there, I won't see what I need to see. So I have to be in proper position. I have to align myself in the right place to see what I need to see. That's what we need to do. We also need to be alert. 
We can't get distracted. It's so easy to get distracted, I know, but we can't get distracted. We can't turn our head the wrong way and look the wrong way. We have to stay and keep our eyes focused on God and His plan. Go over to Isaiah chapter 62. So Isaiah chapter 62, we're going to look at verses 6 through 9. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence, and give him no rest till he establish, until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. The Lord hath sworn by his right hand and by the arm of his strength, surely I will no more give thy corn to be meat for thine enemies, and the sons of the strangers shall not drink thy wine, for the which thou hast labored. But they that have gathered it shall eat it and praise the Lord. And they that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness. So here it is. You look at this scripture and it's saying so much. You're like, wow. God has set watchmen. And in this scripture it's saying these watchmen are on the wall and they're, they're watching the city. And they're watching who's approaching the city. They're looking out. They're staying alert. They're staying alert. Physically, they're staying alert mentally. So they're not being distracted by the things that are going on behind them in the city. They're not being distracted by things that are going on down the other side of the wall. They're watching. They're staying alert. They're engaged. They're they're there. That's what they're doing. They're watching. The thing about it is what they're watching for, they're watching for enemies that may be approaching. They may be even watching for peaceful people approaching. They're watching for everything that comes in, and then they're going to respond to what comes in. They're not just sitting there hanging out with the friends. We're hanging out at the wall, you know, just chit-chatting. You know, how was your day? What did you do? What did you think about this? What do you think about that? That's not what they're doing. They're, they're engaged. And you know what they're doing? They're also they're praying. They're giving God's word back to him. They're saying, God, this is what you said. This is what you promised to do. We're asking you to fulfill your will. So, and that's what he said. Give it back to him. Because he swore by his right hand. And that's what they did. They, they prayed continually. The watchman called out to God day and night. They reminded him of his promises. The watchmen were told to hold God to his promises. They knew what God had promised, so now they had to have some knowledge. As to what God had promised. So they would say, God, this is what you said would happen. Bring that to pass. So that's what we should do as God's people. We should be watching. We should be alert. We shouldn't just be holding a place. We shouldn't just be hanging out. You know, I got a seat. That's what I got. We should be engaged. We should be active. We should be reminding God of his promises in our prayers. That's what we should be doing. And we should be watchful. So we're going to talk about Daniel later on. And we're going to, Daniel's like a perfect case study for this, this teaching because he was watchful. and He prayed based on what he saw. So that's what we should do. We should be watchful. Jesus made it clear. So when we pray and we ask God, okay, God, this is what you said you're going to do. Fulfill your will. Jesus made it clear when he was teaching his disciples. He said, thy kingdom come. When we pray, so we pray that your kingdom will come. And that's how we do. We remind God of what he said. 
So we have to watch. We have to pray. We have to be sober. We have to be vigilant. We can't get caught up with everything that's going on around us. We have to stick with what God has told us to do and keep our eyes focused on that. Go over to Nehemiah. Well, you know we had to go to Nehemiah, right? So Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 6 through 9. So we're still talking about watching. We're still talking about watching and being watchful. So built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made, were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem, Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. I was just reading, there's a lot of people that came against them, right? But you know what? I like that in the beginning because the people had a mind to work. They set their mind to work. So even when these other people came against them and they heard these people were coming against them, guess what? But they were watching. They weren't so distracted with the work that they were doing that they weren't paying attention to the stuff that they heard. They were like, whoa, wait a minute. They, they, they're coming against us. So when they heard that, what did they do? They prayed. And then they watched. So we have to be alert. We have to remember we have an adversary. Let me tell you people, it, the adversary does not want you to succeed in this. They don't, he's like, no, let's tear that down. Like when these breaches started coming, uh, being uh, stopped in this wall, when the breaches start being stopped in your life, and you're being effective in the kingdom, the enemy's like, oh, no, we can't let that happen. We can't let that happen. we got to keep those strongholds in their lives. When you start tearing those down and he's seeing you're making some progress, he's like, no, no, no. He's going to bring Sambalat. He's going to bring Tobiah. And if that ain't enough, he's going to bring the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites. He's going to bring all of them. And he's going to try to stop you. But you know what? you got to pray and you got to set a watch. You can't distract it and you can't give, give up. Because remember, you're doing God's work. You're doing God's work. Keep that in the forefront of your mind. You're not doing this for a man. You're not doing this even for yourself. You're doing it for God. And now when you think about that, think about way in the beginning of this teaching, who is God? Now if you think about, oh, he's the creator. He, he has it all. He's all sufficient. And I'm doing it for the one who's the creator and all sufficient. Tie all these things together. It'll keep you going. It'll keep you encouraged when you think about those things like that. And you're like, okay, God, yeah, yeah, these people are coming after me, but I'm going to pray and I'm going to set a watch. So we can't get so entangled with the affairs of this world and our natural duties and our responsibilities that we miss what God is doing. So we have to be ready when God calls on us. This is especially true when it comes to prayer. You know, sometimes somebody will come across your mind and you'll be like, oh, you know, I hadn't thought about them in a long time. Just pray for them. Just pray for them. You know, because you don't know why God's bringing them up. You don't know what's going on. You may, you know, a, a long time ago, man, I hadn't thought about this in years. This guy I went to college with, um, 
I saw some. He was over in Africa. He's a doctor. He's over in Africa. He was doing something, and I was reading something about his blog post. And later on that night, God just told me to pray for him. So I just prayed for him, and I prayed for him, and I prayed for him. And then, like months later, I found out the day after I was praying for him, he had gone through this really, like, really hard thing with one of his patients. Like one of his patients that he had really been working with. Um, had had died and he was just very sad and a lot of stuff had happened and I was like God you are so amazing it's amazing how God orchestrates things I'm just sitting there reading a blog from somebody oh you know I didn't know he was over there and then I was obedient I prayed to God and I believe God helped him through my prayers because God is that's how God works he uses men in the earth so we can't miss an opportunity now what I could have done was I could have kept watching TV because I think that's what I was doing. Either I was watching TV or I was asleep. Two of my favorite things. So I could have kept doing that. And who knows what, what would have happened. But we can't miss an opportunity when God gives us that opportunity. Go over to Mark chapter 13. And you know, it seems like a light thing. Sometimes, you know, when you pray for somebody because you stop. When you're obedient, you pray and you say what you, you, you know, you go on about yourself, but you don't know what that does. You don't know, you don't, God may never show you what that is until, until, until much later on. But we have to be obedient. We can't miss those opportunities. That's why we have to be sensitive to the Spirit. That's what it means to watch, that we're sensitive to the Spirit. So Mark chapter 13, we're going to start at verse, um, verse 32. So verse 32, we're going to read through 35. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants. And to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. I'll just read the rest of this. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. So, you can see there, it's important to watch. It's not just important to see, but to watch. Remember that attentiveness, continual attentiveness. We want to be ready. We want to be prepared. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. You don't know when you're going to take your last breath. So we always have to be prepared. We always have to be watchful. We always have to be ready. So we don't miss any opportunity that we have. And I know we always think about that as far as our life or when Jesus returns. But, you know, we've been learning a lot about dispensations, about how a dispensation ends. You have your dispensation of your life, but within that there are multiple dispensations in there. You don't know when a dispensation is going to be up. So you have to be watchful always. Because remember, when that dispensation is over, what you didn't finish, you didn't finish. It's not there. So you can't sit around and waste time and be um, inattentive unprepared, not ready, thinking that you have plenty of time to get things done, you don't. You don't. You don't know how much time you have. And you may think you have plenty of time to get it done, but guess what? If you've got plenty of time, that means you've got plenty of things to do. 
So we have to be watchful and we have to make sure we take that opportunity because the thing about it is in the dispensation, you can't even get behind in the dispensation because you're going to miss things. You got to look at the way it is. So, so think about, well, we're going to walk somewhere. Think about walking somewhere. And when you're walking to this place, there are certain things, what's well, like a scavenger hunt. You know, like at the scavenger hunt, there are certain things you should have at the end. That's the way it should be in your, in your life and in your dispensation. In each dispensation, there are certain things that are going to build upon each other. So let's say you have to have, you got to, okay, say you're dressed, you got to have a sock. And if you miss the, you put the sock on, but then you're not watching and you're not focusing. You're still walking. You're still making it through. The next thing you're going to pick up is you think it's going to be your shoe. But you're chit-chatting and distracted by some bright lights or somebody else. What somebody else's socks are cuter than yours or somebody got pantyhose or somebody didn't got the little, uh, the little, the little, what's the side, the bomba socks and you got the little footies and you want something different. That's it. So, but you, you miss it. So you're doing all that and then your shoes are right there, but you had all that stuff going on. So now you don't have shoes. But you're still walking, right? You're still walking. So now you're walking on gravel in these socks and it hurts. And you're wondering, God, why does this hurt? Because you weren't paying attention to get your shoes. So what you gonna do now? You're going to run back there and try to get your shoes or you're going to keep going on? But see, see what I mean? you got to be watchful. you got to be watchful. God, there are things that God has given us. There, there's information that he's giving us. There's revelation that you should be receiving at a certain time because you're going to need it in the next step to get to the next place. So we have to be watchful. You have to keep all those things in perspective and keep going and keep going and keep going. So watchful. We have to remember we don't know when a dispensation is going to be over. We just know that we have to get done what God says get done. So we have to stay alert. Go over to same um, same book. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 14. And we're just probably a page over. We're going to look at verse 38. Mark, Mark 14. Mark 14 verse 38. Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. So, you know, as as human beings, we get tempted. So we need to be watchful of these things. So in my notes, I put, we need to be watchful for people, places, things, situations, Attitudes and emotions that drag us back into old carnal and fleshly desires. We need to be watchful of signs and be prayerful about how to respond to them. So here's the thing. Situations, circumstances are going to come up in your life. So the example I have in my notes is let's say that there's a certain thing that makes you anxious. One thing that makes me anxious is traffic. I do not like, I don't mind like, you know, normal rush hour traffic, but like bad, bad traffic. It makes me a little anxious. So let's say in this scenario, in my example, when I'm, when I'm anxious and I'm in traffic, wherever I get to, when I get to that place, I'm all mean, I'm not nice, I have a bad attitude, and I just, I'm not nice to be around. That's not godly character, right? So what I have to do, guess what? I live in this world. I work in Austin. It's going to be some bad traffic. So what I need to do is realize that I'm going to have to deal with bad traffic. 
And based on the information that God has given me and the revelation and the understanding that he's given me, now I need to respond out of that understanding versus that old man. So that's what we do. Sometimes we take things that have happened in the past and we'll see something. So let's say that when you were little, somebody in a blue car ran over your toe. Okay? And really, really hurt. And so you cried and you had to go to the hospital and they had to do all this stuff. And the whole, the whole thing was just horrible and you remember it from when you were a child. So now every time you see somebody in a blue car, you think they can't drive. And you're like, you run away from them. You're like, oh, people in blue cars are just horrible drivers. Right? That's what you're thinking because that one person ran over your toe 20 years ago. And that's your reaction to it. But guess what? What if you then you meet somebody who has a blue car and they're a great driver? They pick you up or give you a lift when you need it. It's just perfect in the car when you get in there. Smells nice. The air conditioning is nice. Now you've got a whole other look at the blue car. What we have to do, that's, that's a real shallow example, but what I want you to see is there are things in our lives that have caused us to act in the past the wrong way. We've responded the wrong way. And guess what? Those things are going to keep coming up. Like I said earlier, people are going to get on your nerves. And there was a time in your life where you may have been rude to them. You may have said the wrong thing. You may have done, or maybe somebody did something to you that was actually wrong. And you may have responded out of the wrong heart. Guess what? Those things are not going to not happen. They're going to happen. But what we have to do is we have to be watchful. We have to be watchful of those situations. We have to be watchful of those things. You know, a lot of times, like when people who've been had addictions, they'll say, don't go back to those same places. Don't hang out with those same people. And sometimes you can't hang, can't help who you hang out with, or you know, if you've got to be around them, you've got to work with them or something like that, but you can be responsible for your response. When that thing happened to you, when you reacted out of your fleshly desires and your carnal way, you didn't have the same knowledge and understanding of God's word that you have now. Now you have a different view. You have a different, God has put you in another place, so you have another perspective. So now your response should be a godly response. So you need to watch out for those circumstances and those situations because they will creep up on you. You know, you'll be doing something and just think about the blue car. All of a sudden, the blue, you know, oh, there's a blue car. You know, that, that's a good way to rem- remember it. Next time something happens, you know, you're in a situation like you're in traffic and you're like me, you're in traffic and you're like, oh, wait, I'm about to get a little anxious and I'm about to go off on somebody. You're like, wait. That's not who I am. Remember your position. Now you have a different way of responding. But you have to be watchful of the things that come around it. Does that make sense to y'all? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Like they would say, what, like the precursors and all those things that would come before that? You have to be watchful. You know, I was thinking about it. Um, September, even though my birthday's in September, September's a hard month for me. Because not only did our founding pastor pass away in September, my dad passed away in September, and his birthday is this month. So I noticed at the beginning of September, you know, I just started getting a little sad. And I have to be watchful of that. And sometimes I, I don't even remember it. It'll just, and I'll be like, oh, so I'll be watchful of that. And I'll say, you know what? I may be sad, but I have new information to deal with this sadness. So those, that's what I mean. You have to be watchful. You have to be alert. Because once again, the enemy's looking for any way to pull you and get you distracted. So when we pray, so when we, so these things come up, we pray. We ask God, you know, God, how do I deal with this? What do I need to do? We ask God for guidance. So when we ask God for guidance, He shows us how to appropriate the word in that situation. 
So, you know, now you've got this word, you've heard it, and he says, now this is what you do. Remember that word you heard? This is how you use that word. So we have all the ingredients that we need to be successful Christians to do this, but we have to do the work. We're not just going to sit here. You're going to have to be active. You're going to have to do some work. God's not just going to give you, give you all this and then do it all for you. He's going to give you the ingredients. He's going to give you the recipe, but you're going to have to bake the cookies. That was my thing. My, when God, when I was, when I was studying inside, I said, it's not like those, you know, those cookies, you break them off and put them in the oven. That's not how it is. You have to do some work. You have to put some sugar and some flour and some eggs and all that stuff in there and stir it up. We're going to have to do some work. When we pray for God's will to come to pass in our lives, the manifestation of the answer comes at the appropriate time. What that means is God hears your prayer and he answers you, but it may not come when you think it should come, but it's going to come when God says it should come. So we're built up and we're established, and this takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. There's a process of removing the world away from our lives and tearing down strongholds that we've built up over time. And while those things are being torn down, we're being established in God's ways. So while this is happening, we have to continue. We have to continue watching. We have to continue doing because the adversary is not going to leave us alone while this is going on. Remember, you have an adversary. But guess what? Neither is our advocate. He's going to be there. He's there watching out for you. He's there interceding for us. So we have the power of God, but we have to pray. It has to be released on our behalf. And that's why we have to always pray. So we're looking forward to expect it in, but we have to work to get there. Remember, we're talking about understanding spiritual warfare. We're talking about standing. That's what we have to do. We have to continue in our faith. So now, we're going to go on. So that was watching. So let's talk about perseverance, with all perseverance. Go over to um, Luke chapter 18. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Another scripture that we're not going to go to, but you can write down and look up later on, is Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. So we are going to read Luke chapter 8, excuse me, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Verse 1 says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and to not faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I will tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. So, In this scripture that we're reading, we have this widow, and she goes to this unjust judge, 
And she keeps asking him, avenge me of my adversary. And he's like, I do what I want to do. You don't, you, you know, I am who I am. I don't fear God. I don't fear man. I do exactly what I want to do. And she's like, okay. She comes back. And she keeps coming back. Now, in that other scripture that I gave you, Luke 11, uh, 5 through 13, they call that importunity. Keep coming back. She keeps coming back. And then finally he says, you know what? I'm just going to give her what she wants because I don't want her to weary me. Now, in this scripture it says, the unjust judge did that. So what will our just God do when we come to him and we bring him his word? Because he said, bring me my word. Bring me my word and keep bringing it to me. So what's interesting here in verse 8, that last one, the last part said, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And you're like, what does that have to do? Huh? Yeah, I know when I read it, I ain't going to lie. When I read it, I was like, well, well huh? that kind of seems like a little stick, sticks out a little bit right there. But the thing about it is when we pray and we believe God and we keep bringing him his word, guess what? That's showing that we have faith in him. So will he find that faith in you? Will he find that faith in you when he comes to you? Is that faith there? Are you persevering? That word perseverance means to persist in something. It means to be constant and steadfast. So it means to persist in something. It means to be constant and steadfast. So we are to be persistent in our prayers. Not because we don't believe God will do what he says we will do, because he's the only one who can do it. And you know what? When we're persistent in our prayers, one thing when I was looking up that word persistent and perseverance, it says shameless. You think about this widow. She was shameless. If you read over in uh, chapter 11 of Luke, it's, it's about this friend, this guy who goes to his neighbor's house and asks him in the middle of the night for some food. Shameless. He's like, I ain't got no shame. I'm, I'm here to tell you. The, the widow was like, I can't do this. I'm coming to you because you can. I, I have no shame. Remember that humility. So we go and... We go to him persistently. Not, once again, not because we think he needs to be reminded. We don't, God doesn't need to be reminded. That's not what we're doing. But that persistent, it reveals our level of interest and concern. You know, things that are important to you, they're always on your mind. You know, think about the things that, you, that are important to you. You're like, oh yeah, that's the thing. It's probably the thing that you thought about when you last came in. You'll think about it again tonight. That, that's our persistence. They're important to us. So, you know, when we pray, you know, when we come in and we pray and we pray for our country, we pray for our nation and surrounding nations, we pray for this ministry, our pastor, we pray for the saints. That's important to us. You know, we're we just not going to pray once about it. We're just going to keep coming to God because we want to see his will come to pass. And guess what God is going to do because he said for, him, for us to do that and bring him his word? He's going to continue to do that. He's going to work that out. It said it right there. He'll avenge him speedily. That's what he's going to do. So when we pray, we have to have that sense of expectancy. We have to expect that God is going to hear and answer our prayers. That's the faith, people. That's the faith. Is he going to find that faith? So the thing about it is if you don't expect God to do anything, you're not going to go to him. Remember? I said if you don't think somebody can do it, like if you want, if you want any home improvements done, I am not the person to come to. Because I can't do it. I know I am very limited in those things. I can make you something to drink. How about that? As much as I like to shop, I can't even get nothing in Home Depot for you. I'm, I'm, I'm limited in that area. So the thing with God is he's not limited. So we can go to him and we can ask him. 
And he, he, he's there. He has it for us. We have that expectancy that he's going to give it to us. So why do we expect God to hear us? So, so what is that? So do, are we just going to take it at, at face value that we expect him to hear us? Or do we have something that he said that, he said he's, that we can believe that he's going to hear us? Go over to James chapter 5. We're going to kind of run this down. Excuse me, James chapter 1. Run this down a little bit. So why do we expect God to hear us? James chapter 5, excuse me, 1, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. Verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So I know that didn't answer the question I just asked, right? Like, well, that's not saying why God should hear me. But we see if we believe, if we have faith, we ask, he's going to give it to us. But if we don't have faith, we waver. What that means is I ask God, but I'm a little shaky in what I believe. I don't necessarily think he can do it, you know? I don't necessarily think I can do it. So that's when we go back to thinking that we can do it. Remember, thinking that we're God. So we're unstable in all our ways because we say God is God, but we don't have faith that he's going to do it. So we're unstable. We're shaky. So we have to go to God. We go to God and we ask in faith and he will give us what we ask. Now go over to 1 John chapter 5. And now we get to the answer. So I had to take you a roundabout way to get to why do we expect God to hear us. So First um, John chapter 5, we're going to go uh, read verses 14, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And also remember we read in John 15 verse 7, if we abide in him and his words abide in us. So that's why we can expect him to do what he says he's going to do. So that's why we have that perseverance. That's why we don't give up. We do not give up in our prayers. We continue in our prayers. And then we go in in the next part of the verse, for all supplication, for all things. You know, everybody needs prayer. Everybody needs prayer. There's not a person that does not need prayer. Go over to um, 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. It says, I exhort therefore that first of all, Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Wait a minute. All types of prayers be made for all men? Hmm. For all things. Okay. For kings. What? Kings, people who are powerful, who we think have everything, they need to be prayed for. 
and for for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God who would have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth so we're to pray for everyone you know and, and what I like here it says I exhort thee therefore first of all first of all do this let's, let's go ahead and pray for people let's pray Let's not think that we need to just go do before we pray, before we act, before we react. Let's pray for all people. So everyone needs prayer. And we said all saints in the in verse, uh, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 18 says for all saints. But guess what? We have to pray for all saints and we have to pray for all potential saints. So that means that people who are not born again that we see now, but we also pray for people in the future. You know, remember, somebody prayed for us. So we have to, our prayers, we can't think that our prayers, once again, we don't want to limit God. We have to make sure that we're praying the way God says pray. Go over to Daniel 9. So I was talking about Daniel, and, you know, Daniel is a, is a powerful example of prayer and, and a man who stood for God when it was not so easy, but was very effective. You know, I was looking at this, and it just, it just amazed me. You know, you look at Daniel's life. He was pulled into captivity as a child, pretty much. But he stood. He didn't compromise. And he went through several administrations. He got thrown in the lion's den for praying. And then he prayed in the lion's den. You're like, wow. You know, we, we, we like somebody say, well, you know, you're going to have to go to jail if you pray. You're like, well, I'm going to silently pray, God. That's okay, right? But we look at Daniel, and we see that Daniel had a very powerful prayer life. Let's read um, verse, uh, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 9. Did I tell you all to go to 9? Okay. We're going to read, we're going to read uh, different verses in this chapter. But first we're going to start off with verses 1 through 5. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him, love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. So, we're going to read another part of this. And as Daniel's praying, you can see, first of all, the thing in verse 2, he's saying he was reading. And he was reading what Jeremiah the prophet wrote. You know what? That's watching. He was reading that, but he took into consideration what Jeremiah was saying, the amount of time they were supposed to be in captivity, and he realized, wait a minute, we're getting close to that time ending. So Jeremiah wasn't just, I mean, uh, Daniel wasn't just sitting there reading like, oh yeah, huh, huh, calling out words. He was being watchful. He was being attentive. He was ready. When he saw that, he prayed. He prayed. He didn't sit there and say, that's interesting. I wonder if God's going to do what he said he's going to do. 
No, he prayed for God's will to be done. And the first thing he did when he went to God, he gave him praise. And then he said, God, we have not done what you said we were supposed to do. We've sinned against you. He asked for that clean heart. That he, he acknowledged his transgressions before God and the transgression of his people. He wasn't just sitting there like, well, God, you know, we kind of did it and we thought this was right. He just was open before God. So at this point, you have to realize, you know, Daniel's in this position. Not He just didn't get to this position right then. Remember earlier I said it's a process. Things are taken out of us that we need to get rid of and then things are put in us. So, in this case, Daniel didn't compromise. Even at the point of death, he trusted God. So, at those things in his life, when he was able to do that, he could trust God that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. So, when he read this, he was able to pray because he was in the right position. He believed that God wanted to hear him. He believed that God wanted to intervene on his behalf. So, he went to God when he heard that. So, let's go to verse 16 through 22. So verse 16 in the same chapter says, O Lord, according to thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thine fury be turned away from the city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. So he's saying this is Jerusalem's approach. It's been pulled down. Reproach has been pulled down. All these bad things are happening. Now therefore, O Our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolation and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplication before thee for our righteousness but for thy great mercy. That's what's great to me. When I, every time I read it, I'm like, man, that's exciting. Because Daniel's like, you know, it's not about me. It's not about my righteousness because I don't have it. God, it's about your great mercies. Then it goes on to say, O Lord, hear, O Lord. Forgive, O Lord. Hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God. For thy city and thy people are called by thy name. So you hear what Daniel's praying. He's praying, you know, God... Build this up. Right now, this place is desolate. The place where your name is, is desolate. So here's what happened. Let's go to verses 25 through 27. Know therefore and understand that from the going... Okay, yeah. So you have to understand. So Daniel gets the answer to his prayer. Yes, um, I think I missed that, that scripture in there. But Gabriel comes as he's praying. And he gives him the answer to his prayer. So here I'm jumping in the middle of this conversation here. So it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with the flood and until the end of the war desolations are determined. So you can see here what happens is so Daniel prays. Gabriel brings him his answer. In this answer, so 
Daniel was praying for a specific thing. He was praying, God, the desolation, the Jerusalem, we're supposed to be getting out of exile. I see it in your word. These 70 years are about to expire. So he's praying that God's will come to pass. So God answers him and he gives him a little extra. He says, not only are we going to rebuild the temple, we're going to rebuild Jerusalem, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about when the Messiah is coming. He told him when it's going to come and how all that's going to happen. So you can see that when we pray, God answers us. So now you're thinking, now think about it. This is the way I would think. Well, God said it's going to be rebuilt. Okay, let me go over here and start getting some stuff. But that's not what happened. It took some time for it to get rebuilt. Just didn't happen right away. If you go to Ezra chapter 1, we're not going to read that, but write these scriptures down. This is the fulfillment. This is when the actual rebuilding happens. Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And then we have Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And they rebuilt the temple. And they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Remember we looked at that over in Nehemiah? And that's the result of Daniel's prayer. It was supposed to be done, but Daniel heard. He was watchful, and he took God back his word. And then we see what happens when we pray. When we pray, God arranges people in the right places to get those who are praying prayers answered. God's going to remove any corruption that needs to be removed and put the right people in place so, people, so his people can receive their answers. In this case, there had to be some kings that did some decrees. So when these things happen, God's going to put those people around, those people in authority, to make sure that his will gets accomplished. So no matter how dark things look, when we're praying, you know, we, you know, it's a lot of things that have been happening that just don't, don't seem right. And as believers, we've been praying. I know I have. I know a lot of people have. We've been fervently praying like, God, is this is not right. Authority should be a, a terror to evil works, not to good. We're not to, to approach to oppress the widows and the orphans. And all these things are happening. But guess what? God hears our prayers. But he's putting everything in place so that everything can be done in his time, in his season. So we have to remember that our prayers, they are meaningful. They mean something. They are accomplishing something. They're not just words that we say. They're not just things that we do so we can say that we're a, a believer and that we can, you know, think we're, you know, whatever we want to say. We have this religious form, but we're actually getting God's will to uh, pass in the earth. It is bringing God's power to us. So in our prayers, we can't give up. We can't be passive. We can't go in thinking that, you know, I just pray when things are going wrong. No, we have to be active. Our prayers should, we, they need to be proactive. We need, we need to have prayers that sometimes react to things. If things happen, we need to pray. But we also need to have proactive prayers. We need to realize, remember, we're being watchful. So think about those watchmen that we looked at in Isaiah. Those watchmen were on the wall and they saw things coming. They didn't wait. If an enemy was coming, they didn't wait till the enemy was upon them to, to, to do something. They saw it and did something then. So we have to be prepared. We have to be proactive in our prayers. With Daniel, what we have to look at, I like that. I like his, the example of Daniel in prayer is because if you realize Daniel's prayers, they affected Years and years down. They're affecting us. So what we have to realize, God's not a respecter of person. So if Daniel's prayers did that, his prayer, he was effective, our prayers will do that. So we have to realize that our prayers, they should have a lasting impact and benefit to the kingdom of God. 
It should further God's will in your your prayers. Should further God's will in your individual life and this body locally. That includes your family, your immediate family, your extended family. Your prayers should have a lasting impact on that and globally. You know, it seems like we're, you know, even though we're here in Round Rock, we're just part of the body. And when we're strengthened, guess what? The rest of the body is strengthened. When we pray, like I said, I was praying for my friend. He was far, far away. But we're praying and that's affecting them. So, our prayers should have that lasting impact on us, those who are around us close, and those far out. The, what is the micro and the macro? We need to have lasting prayers that reach. We have to remember, it never has been and it never will be about you. It's always about God's, getting God's will accomplished in the earth. So we have to pray fervently and effectively. Remember that standing and continuing to hold on your faith, onto your faith will impact the kingdom. Think about Daniel. Just think about Daniel. And think about that impact. Never think that what you do for God or what you don't do is insignificant. Any act of obedience has great significance. So as we stand, as we've learned about understanding spiritual warfare and we've got all these pieces and we've learned this and we're putting it all together, remember that everything is important. We put everything in its proper place. We continue to pray. We continue to stay in the right position with God and we'll see God working in our midst and it will have lasting impact on the kingdom. Amen? You can stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.